I'm Brennan Stringham. This is the Westfield Second Ward Family History Podcast. So how long have you guys lived here? Yeah, we lived here since August, no, June of 2017. So, so almost five years. Five years. Yeah. You're old timers. Oh, yeah. No, we've probably been in the ward, like, almost the longest. Well, after they realigned. Yeah, course, yeah, but. yeah. Well, we've split so many times. I've lived here eight years, and we've split at least three, four times. So. Yeah. Yeah, when we first moved here, it was Bishop Lewis, and his one of his counselors was Bishop Peterson. Uh, I don't remember, Jordan, Jordan Peterson was his counselor. And then I think we were only here like maybe three months, and they split the stake. So we were here for the stake split and then the ward split. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, very cool. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in Lehigh. Oh, you're a Lehigh so boy? I'm a Lehigh boy, yeah. Oh, I had no yeah. idea. So my parents are from Orange County. Uh, Mission Viejo specifically, so that's where I was born. Okay. Um, but then when I was one, we moved to Kearns. My dad's in banking and couldn't afford to live in California anymore, so they moved us to, to Utah. So I'm the oldest, so it was just the three of us when we moved out here to Kearns. Um, and then we were up there for a couple of years and then moved to Lehigh. So I've been in Lehigh for 27 years, I think. Wow. Yeah. So, You're only 27, aren't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm old. <laughs> You're not as old as me, that's for sure. All right, well, what can you tell us? You you probably weren't here when uh, they filmed Footloose, though. No, no, but I remember Lehigh as Footloose. I really do. Like, um, when they're playing chicken on the tractors right. at the ditch. So I that's where I grew up was that part of Lehigh. Oh, like really? The northeast part. And so, like, I remember that ditch. Um in fact, we used to ride our bikes all around that ditch. Like, Yalpine Highway was literally just, like, a small highway. Yeah, we, I think we moved to Lehigh, and there were only two stoplights in all of Lehigh. So, yeah, so yeah I remember Lehigh as Footloose, for sure. Not the Zac Efron version, either. The, the Kevin Bacon version. The Kevin version. Bacon yeah. version, yeah. <laughs> so, the, I don't know if you remember John Lithgow in the, he's like a preacher. That church is over in American Fork. Oh, okay. And uh, my wife's from American Fork, so okay. she loves that movie, too. But yeah. But yeah, so you, what? Any other Footloose memories you have oh here gosh. in Lehigh? We don't have. No, I yeah, I honestly, I just remember that one scene because my parents were like, "That's right by where we live." I don't think I've even seen the whole movie, honestly. Oh really? Yeah, I just know the like the main song and that one scene. So I honestly haven't seen it, but maybe I should watch it. You should watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen the Zac Efron one, but that's that's the only. <laughs> I one. don't think you're missing much. That's the but... only one that counts, I think. So <laughs> well, so, where? Hold on, where are you from? I don't know this. I grew up in Ogden, actually. Okay, so you're so, up north. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's that's the short answer. So. Okay. And Wendy's from America. <laughs> but Fort. I did notice you had a little Boston ball here. Are you oh, a Red Sox fan? No, or? my dad is. I don't know why, but yeah, oh. he's, a, he's a Red Sox fan. My, that's God's team, you know that. <laughs> oh, boy. <Here> we go. <laughs> oh, man. Why are you a Boston fan? Oh, I lived in New Hampshire for four years. So oh, very okay. Formative so you have some time years, there. So. Okay, all right. That's, yeah, I, that's I, yeah, anyway, it's not about me, but um, <laughs> that's awesome. anyway, I can tell you lots of stories about that. <laughs> so, um, so tell us about... About growing up in Lehigh, you got yeah. two or three memories, any yeah. serious injuries or, you know. Yeah, so let's see. Um, where the old brick plant is in Lehigh, so right off of like 2100 North Exit. In oh, Lehigh, yeah. Um, that used to all just be filled in like a river. And um, when I was my daughter's age, it was called Grasshopper Heaven. 
And so my buddies and I would all get our bikes and we'd go to Grasshopper Heaven and we'd literally spend hours like playing with the bugs in the river or just riding our bikes through Grasshopper Heaven. And that's just how I grew up. Like we would, we would dig holes in the field next to the church across the street from where we lived and thought we would get to China and we were only like 10 feet down and you know, all that fun stuff. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of my earlier childhood memories is going to Grasshopper Heaven. Um, we, my family was lucky we went to Lake Powell a lot when I was young, so that was a lot of fun. Lake Powell is like our heaven on earth. We love Lake Powell. What's left of it, anyway? Um, <laughs> it's pretty bad right now, but honestly, like that's, I mean, I just grew up outside and had friends and got to experience small town Lehigh, you know. And How uh, big was your that, graduating so. class? So my graduating class was 780. 780. So, but I mean, we had been in Lehigh for a while, right? I mean, I so moved, you we went moved from like little young. 50 school. Oh yeah. Oh. Lehigh to. Oh, we gigantic. moved to Lehigh and we were 2A or 3A. And yeah. then when I was in high school, we went from 3A, 4A, 5A, all while I was in high school, like oh, really? freshman to senior. So that's why we were so bad at everything. I mean, like I was a senior and we had won one game, one football game over two years. And we were terrible terrible and then when we then when i was a senior we won two games that whole season it was like some big to do and yeah. beat like springville and provo was nothing but but the school was just happy we actually won it was crazy so so yeah it's been crazy to see lehigh i'm drive, trying to so. remember if you're my first lehigh guest i think you might be oh really yeah you don't oh, seem man. like a lehigh you don't have, you don't wear cowboy boots <laughs> i'm kind of a city I, boy <laughs> you don't have a big belt buckle no. Never. Didn't do rodeo. No, no. Heck, I'm not tough enough for that. No, Bishop Greenhouse gives me a hard time because I hate camping. Oh, I do I am, too. Oh, I'm with man. You there. I need a shower and a bed. And camping shampoo. for me is Motel 6. Uh, amen. Amen. Yeah. I know. I tell Bishop, our camping is a houseboat on Lake Powell. That's my camping. I don't do anything else. I apologized to our kids the other night because we were outside. And I was like, well, this is what you do when you camp. You're just outside in, in the dirt and you stink. And this is camping. So. Hope you enjoy it, because your mom and I are never taking you camping. <laughs> exactly. I hate camping. That's funny. Well, cool. Well, how would you describe the, the development of your faith? It sounds like you grew up, probably grew up in the church. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was born in the covenant. Um, I, I was the oldest of four, and my parents were really big on like me being an example to my younger siblings. So I grew up with like a lot of um, coaching from my parents about choosing to do the right thing for myself, but also to be like an example. And so I would say the development of my faith was really relying on like my parents' testimonies when I was young and then just like doing what I was supposed to do, like what almost what the expectation was to do in my family. And that was just to keep the commandments and do what you're supposed to be baptized when you're eight and receive the priesthood when you're 12 and receive your patriarchal blessing and prepare for a mission and and basically like check all the boxes and i and i hate saying that now because i feel there's such like a negative connotation behind that um but i'm grateful that those things happened and now that i can reflect on my decisions that i made when i was younger like my faith development um i realized that at that time in my life that's what i needed was to have a box and to check it, whereas now there's meaning behind the box. And so I wanted to be able to teach my children that, that yes, there's a box of being baptized or receiving the priesthood or whatever that may be, but 
there's also a meaning behind it. And that's what was missing for me, I feel like, when I was growing up. So, and that development, I feel like, really happened while I was a missionary. And I had a really influential mission president, and they most of the time were. But I had a really influential mission president that, sh- that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, this is why we do what we do. It's not necessarily just to add something to your resume of what you hand to God when you die, but more so of like, this is why we do the resume anyway. This is what, this is why we believe in God. That's a long answer. I feel like I was just, I had pressure to do the right things and I'm grateful that I did. And then I was taught by a very good priesthood leader about why, the why behind all those things and why we do those things. So anyway, that's my development, I think. Yeah. Very cool. So you kind of mentioned your mission there. Yeah. I understand you went to Tennessee, so yeah. you're a big volunteer fan. No, so that's actually outside of our mission. So oh. I was in Nashville, so it was just the middle part of, of so Tennessee. So that's Vanderbilt country. Yes, Vandy, yeah. Yep. So Vanderbilt, but there were a ton of colleges like um, Belmont, like a lot of private uh, Christian universities in Nashville, like a ton, probably 30 or more. Belmont, they they did a, an upset a few years ago. Yes, the they tournament. did. Yeah, they were in the tournament. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually it's a really, really nice school. All like the schools. Like a fifteen seed, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, yeah pretty low ranked. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, but yeah, we it was uh, Middle Tennessee, so we went almost all the way down to the Alabama border, but we did not have Chattanooga. We went west um, to Jackson, Tennessee, so we didn't have Memphis. And we went east to like. Oh, so you couldn't Crossville. go to Graceland? No, we didn't Graceland? go to Graceland. Graceland's man. fun. No, I hear that. I hear Graceland. Yeah, it's fun. Time. You yeah. should go sometime. So, but yeah, University of Tennessee is in Knoxville, so we didn't go there. But we did have. That was Peyton Manning country. Yeah, right? For real. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, anytime anyone asks, like, oh, you're a volunteers, you know, fans, you go to a game, anything like that, I'm like, no, it was outside of our mission, you know? Like, oh, that's so, weird. But we did have southern, western Kentucky and then um, southern Illinois. The, the mission the, Oh, so, so they're the Hilltoppers. Yep, so we had the... SIU, I'm trying to remember what their mascot is, I don't I remember. Huskies or the Huskies. something like okay. that. It's a dog, yeah. yeah. So that was, so Illinois was part of your mission yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a sliver. Yeah, it was, and I never served up there. It was definitely different. It's a weird place. I didn't realize Tennessee touched <laughs> Illinois. That's interesting. No, it does. So it's Tennessee, Kentucky, and then Illinois. So we, and we had Western Kentucky. So yeah, oh, okay. it was, yeah, it was close, but, but didn't touch Tennessee. So, yeah. <laughs> But it was well, very cool. Good. Any cool mission stories? Oh my gosh, Did man. you have chitlins? You know, honestly, we we baptized this lady, and she was confined to a wheel, a motorized wheelchair. She was easily six, seven hundred pounds. Oh and my just goodness! Didn't leave her house and couldn't move on her own. But she, uh, <laughs> one time we were in her kitchen, and she said, "Elders, I'm I'm going to cook for you." And we're like, "Okay." And and she had this like jar of it almost looked like a big can of Crisco but it was not Crisco and it said chitlins on it and she opened it and she pulled out this like I knew what they were they were like the intestines of something but it looked like a, an old snake or something coming yeah. out of this can and she goes put that in the pot and look at my companion we're both like oh we're not eating that <laughs> so I don't even remember if we ate it or not I, I, I just remember her pulling it out of the jar and I don't remember <laughs> maybe I blocked it out I don't remember but to this day I don't think I've ever actually tried chitlins but so you don't think but, you ate it? No, I, I really don't remember. You had to I wish eat it. I had you got to be polite. I I, I want to say that we did, but I don't re, I don't remember. It, I really don't. You just so. blocked it out. But I did have squirrel. It okay. was disgusting. Um, I had a deer meat surprise. It was even more disgusting. Um, 
But honestly, like there were a lot of Utah transplants because I was mostly around Nashville and like Clarksville where the army base is. And so a lot of Utah transplants. So honestly, when people ask like, what did you have to eat? We honestly had like roast and potatoes because they were just from Utah, you know, and right. that's what people would make for, you know, Sunday dinner when the elders came over. So <laughs> a lot of roast, a lot of potatoes. And yeah, that was. Did you ever go to Ryan's Family Steakhouse? No. Oh, maybe they're just in Georgia, South Carolina. But yeah. That was a good place to eat. Yeah. So my brother's name was Ryan, so I like to go there. But oh, okay. Well, very cool. Any other mission stories you want to share really quick? So many. We went to, in Nashville, they have an old, uh, or they have a replica of the Parthenon in Greece, which is cool. So we would, we'd, we would go to the Parthenon for P-Day a couple of times. And then just walking around downtown. And it's changed a lot. I mean, I've been home for a while. But it's changed even since I've, I've been there. A lot of things have come there. But the Country Music Hall of Fame was there. And a really famous hotel called Opryland Hotel was there. Mm-hmm. And, um, Broadway Street. Did you Street, go to the Grand course, Old Opry? So I did. So my parents picked me up for my mission. That's a good mission story. I'll tell that one. So we taught Taylor Swift's bodyguard. He was a scrawny. Taylor short, Swift? Well, Taylor Swift's bodyguard. He was a short, like scrawny, African-American guy. I don't even know if he was telling us the truth. Who knows? But he said he... he at some point had guarded Taylor Swift. But, oh, brother. Yeah, not, not, not too much fun there. But um, my, I had no idea the day, the week that I was going home, um, on Monday, the elders and sisters who were going home would go to the temple, and then transfer day was on Tuesday, and then you would go home on Wednesday morning. And so on that Monday, right before transfers, um, we were getting ready to go to the temple, and uh, we were just having a little like testimony meeting before we went across the street to the temple. We were in the stake center, and our mission mama, Sister McKee, she uh, she looked at her watch and she goes, "Oh my gosh, we got to go!" And she we were always on time. We were never late. Anything like that. And I was like, "Why are you making this a big deal? We have plenty of time before our temple session. It's literally 20 feet that way. Like we're okay." And of course, I didn't say anything. I was like, "Oh, okay." So we all get up to leave, and uh, I'm walking from the stake center to the temple, and we get to like the steps of the temple to walk into the front door, and out of on my right, uh, coming from behind a pillar is my mom, and I like just I to this day it gives me chills even thinking about it because I was like, what are you doing here? Like I have my bubble of a mission, right? Everything outside of my bubble of a mission and doesn't you're not exist. Supposed to be here. Oh, and that's exactly what I said to her. I said, mom. You're not supposed to. That's exactly what I said. Mom, you're not supposed to be here. And she was like crying, like, can I have a hug, please? Can I have a hug? And, and then my dad comes around the pillar. And, and so it was really neat. Like we got to do a temple session with them. And, and uh, that next week we stayed out there and we went to the Grand Ole Opry. And I took them up to Clarksville and uh, got to show them like the cool parts of my mission. And mm-hmm. that was kind of fun to do. So oh, yeah, cool. it kind of rocked my world, burst my bubble a little bit. So, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, what family relationships have had the most impact on your life? Honestly, my family's really close. I mean, that's been really nice. Like, my parents are still in, in Northeast Lehigh, and so literally every Sunday we go up for dinner. And um, I have two of my three siblings, and their spouses and children are all here in either Lehigh or Saratoga. Mm. And so when it's Stringham Sunday, we'll all go up and have dinner with my parents. And then on off Stringham Sundays, we my family goes up because uh, everyone else that's here is with their in-laws. And so really, like every Sunday, we're up with my parents. 
Because her family's all in South Because her family's in South Carolina. <laughs> and then my sister and her husband actually just moved south of Nashville. So they moved to Columbia. Oh. Uh, and it's been almost a year. I think it was May. Columbia, Tennessee? So, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So that's a small town right there. That's a beautiful small town, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So family relationships. I, uh, I, I cherish my relationship with both my mom and my dad. Um, I'd say my, my dad and I are really close. Um, but my mom and I have gotten closer as I've gotten older. I think just because we, like personalities-wise, we match really well and like we get each other's ADD. I don't know what our issue is, but um, but I've really cherished that. And then I'd say I'm I'm extremely close with my brother, who's five years younger than me. Um, and outside of Rachel, I would say he's like my best friend for sure. So, um, and I love my sisters. Uh, we're close, but but like I'll Facetime my brother like a couple times a week. You know, we're oh, really wow. close. So, yeah. So I cherish those for sure. And then obviously. My family. I know, even though he's five minutes down the road, it's still FaceTime. But. And then obviously, I mean, Rachel and I, I feel like we've become better friends as we've been married for almost a decade now. And I enjoy being a dad when I'm in the mood for it. <laughs> Not when I'm tired at the end of the day, but but I do. I, I like being a dad, and it's fun. So, Very cool. Yeah. All right. So tell us about your professional life. You're in dental school. Yeah, I actually am done with dental oh, you're school done? finally. Yeah. Yay! That was quite the road. Yeah. So I've been you went out to the of, U, is that right? I did, yeah. yeah. So I went to Utah Valley for undergrad, um, and then went to the University of Utah for dental school. So graduated in May of twenty twenty one, so May last year. So I've been out almost a year. So Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh no, it's I mean Wow. So yeah. you're like a full fledged dentist now. Finally, yeah. Yeah. And do you practice around here? I do. So there's a practice in Eagle Mountain that's been there for about twenty years. Um and so I've been working with him since uh, May. It was June of last year. Took a minute for the license to come in and all that. But but yeah, since June of last year I've been out there. So very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah, cool. I've loved so it. It's do you, been you like uh, playing in people's spit? Yeah. I honestly if I have gloves on, I'm a germaphobe, but if I have gloves on I can cut people open and you know saliva everywhere like i'm fine you know but once those gloves come off and it's my hands bishop calls me a wimp all the time because i can't do dirt and you know germs and stuff but when those gloves come on i'm a different person so now have you heard the bill cosby routine about the i have <laughs> it's awesome it's good yeah it's a good, it's a good one i've also heard the seinfeld anti-dentite uh Brother oh, Dijani yes. told me about that one, so I looked that one out. That one's pretty funny, too. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of them. <laughs> oh, look, a rainbow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what influenced you to take the professional course that you did? Yeah. When I was young, I, I remember just being really interested in, like, the body, and I took a, um, it wasn't exercise science. It was something, like, anatomy science or something like that in, in high school and I really liked it a lot like we learned about animals but also learned about human bodies um, and so I knew from then I was like I want to do something medical I think but I have no idea what that is and went on my mission and met a family um, out there he was a anesthesiologist and had like picture-perfect family like beautiful southern house big property um, had this beautiful wife and five children I mean, just like had it all. And I was like, I'm going to be him. And his last name was Rich. I'm going to be Brother Rich. And he was, they were very, very well, well to do. But you wouldn't never guess it. They were just the best people. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. And so I got home and um, I, I did a year at Utah State before my mission. And the plan was to go back up to Logan and to, to be pre-med and go into medical school to be an anesthesiologist. And 
got home and Rachel was at BYU and we had wrote on our missions and and uh, I kind of wanted to explore maybe there's something there with Rachel I don't know my parents had a contract for an apartment in Logan that they had already signed put a deposit down all this stuff and I was like I feel like I need to stay in Utah County and not go to Logan and my parents were like are you kidding me like what do you mean we have everything set for you like your whole you know you just need to register for classes that's it you're done and I was like I just have a strong feeling that I I need to stay here and so sold my contract up there to one of my buddies and uh, just stayed at home went to UVU and I was like okay I'm gonna do pre-med and then I got sick like I got home in May of 2012 and I got like some sinus infection or something like that in like July or August and I went to the doctor and he was like let's try this medication if that doesn't work come back in two weeks and I'm like dude tell me what my tell me what's wrong with me I'm not some experiment like why can't you tell me what my diagnosis is and how to fix this and then shortly after that appointment I had my tooth my teeth cleaning at our family dentist and and uh, after going through that I was like this doesn't seem like a bad gig like he probably has pretty good hours and not so bad and so I shadowed him a little bit and saw what it was like and I was like this is pretty nice so I switched to pre-dental and that honestly was what started me on the course a lot of people in my dental school class had like a front tooth knocked out or got hit in the face and like you know had teeth cracked or something like that but um, I really don't have any cool story I wish I I'm glad that I don't but but uh, you know some people just have these crazy stories that get them into dentistry and I just don't <laughs> but I've loved it. Like, it's wow. been amazing. So, yeah, that's kind of what led me on the path. So, well, very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? I would say, like, attending the temple has been a huge part of nourishing my testimony. Lately, I feel like I have kind of faltered on that with everything going on with COVID and well, you can't go to the temple. You can't, you can't. Well, I know you can now and make an appointment and, and keep it and if go. You can and, get an appointment. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But uh, I don't know if they're going to go away from that. I I don't think they are. I kind of like it. I don't. But I mean, it's kind of nice to be like, okay, I'm going to the temple at 2 p.m. on Friday and put it in my calendar, and you know, it's there. You know, but but for some people, I get it. Like for some people, it's like, hey, I have four hours. I'm going to go to the temple today, right? And, and mm-hmm. that I understand for sure. But I feel like attending the temple has nurtured my testimony. I've loved the Come Follow Me curriculum. It's allowed me to like, have a self-directed study, but also have like, a structure to it. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I feel like that's been a huge nurture as well. And I was actually, when Rachel and I were first married, we lived in Provo, right by Seven Peaks. There's some old, crusty apartments we lived in. <laughs> and uh, our home teacher was just, I think he was two years older than me. Um, he came over once and was just giving us, a, you know, his, his message. And he said, do you listen to the general conference messages? And I was like, no, why would I do that? And he goes, I challenge you to do it. I'm like, okay, Jake, whatever. And I've always remembered him, his challenge of like listening to general conference. And so now like I'll listen to the come follow me and I'll listen to the scriptures and that'll take like a first couple of days of the week. And then the other times when I'm like driving to work or something like that, I'll put on a conference talk from the most recent conference. And that's been really helpful for me too, like mm. able to like re-listen to those things. Because um, when you're in general conference, like experiencing it, it's a lot. I feel like for me, it's a lot to like take in. And so when you re-digest it, you know, months later, it's like, oh, this is actually a really good talk that I slept through. This is great. <laughs> I, sh- I wish I was awake for this. 
um, ten but, hours in, in a week. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. A lot it's, right? It is a lot, but it used to be longer. Yeah. Did you know that? I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. three days, four days, Jeez. sometimes back yeah. in nineteen hundreds. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So we're spoiled. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Two hour church and yeah, <laughs> ten hours of conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what life experience has caused you most to trust in God? What life experience? Like one specific experience? Do you have one? Gosh. I mean, not everybody does. I don't know that I can pinpoint one experience. I had a tender experience with the Spirit when I was preparing to serve a mission that, that, I, that is very special to me. It, it involved me um, repenting and, and showing humility to God. And I, I had a, a wonderful student ward bishop uh, in Logan um, that that was really influential uh, in getting me on a mission that I was really grateful for. And I feel like that experience of using the atonement and repenting and basically telling God that He can use me as an instrument in His, in, in his hands, that changed me. And I was just some punk, you know, 19-year-old kid that thought I knew everything and that I was going to go on a mission to Argentina and have all these crazy mission stories and all this stuff. And, and that bishop helped me to realize that, that uh, God loves me and I'm also nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm in the grand scheme of things. We're all just from dust and unto dust we will return. But with God we can be everything. That experience of, of working with that bishop and, and having his example in my life, which got me on a mission, changed my whole life. Um, so that experience, I would say, of utilizing the atonement and that student ward bishop, who I don't even remember his name. I don't remember his story. I don't know where he is now. He has no idea the effect that he had on my life has just been a ripple effect. Hmm. Um, and so I would say that's probably the key experience in my life that changed me. Very cool. Yeah. You know, grateful for him for sure. All right. Well, what do you love most about the Westfield Second Ward? Man, I love our ward, and I know everyone says that, but I really do. This has been the ward that Rachel and I have been in the, the longest, like tenured time since we've been married. And I have yet to find a ward until we got to this ward that was like my ward growing up when I was young. Because when I was growing up, everyone was like just a good woman or a good man like our neighbors were awesome super supportive like the whole it takes a village to raise a child kind of thing like that was our ward growing up and i feel like that's the same culture here even though it is an interesting dynamic with you know kensington neighborhood and the geographic difference with willow creek and then having the gateway community when we're at church it's just like everyone feels like a family and you don't often get that in utah i feel like you get that outside of utah a little bit more where the ward literally becomes your family. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that in this ward, and I'm grateful for that. But as I've served with Bishop, it's been really cool to see like some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of what people do for other people in our ward that I wouldn't have seen if I wasn't serving in the bishopric. And uh, that's been humbling for me, um, seeing donations come in um, of very generous amounts for fast offerings and... Um, it's just very humbling. So that's what I love about our ward. We have really, really good people. Very so, good. Yeah. Well, if you could pick your own calling, I know you're in the bishop. Gosh. 
Uh, what, what would be your favorite calling? Rachel and I joke that we're going to get the library calling sometime and ah. serve together in the library. So that would be fun. We, we served in the primary uh, in our previous ward. We love primary. So I would say, if I got to pick, I would say either a primary or, or librarian. I'd love to be a librarian. I can make some mean copies. So, yeah. My wife and I did that when our first child was oh, born. Really? It was kind of nice. Oh, yeah. We didn't have to like, listen to a lesson. We just let him crawl around. <laughs> yep. You know, because he nice. wasn't going to sit there and listen. Yep. So that's funny. Yeah. What about your least favorite calling? What, what's your least favorite calling? Oh man! <laughs> right? No, it's I've loved the bishopric. Honestly, like there are things about being in the bishopric that are hard, and there are a handful of things. But most of the things in the bishopric are amazing. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is uh, temple recommend interviews. I love those. I love um, setting aparts. Those are always fun to be a part, a part of. And being with the youth, like it took me a while to like not think that I was just babysitting someone else's kid for an hour and a half, you know, during the week. Um, and it's just, it's become so much more for me as I've served with the youth. And we have some incredible youth in our ward that are going to be future leaders of the church. And I strongly believe that. Um, so that's been a, a really great part. Uh, but least favorite calling, I, I don't know. It'd be tough to teach gospel doctrine. Rachel did it. I mean, I think she told you for like four years. That would be tough. I don't know why. I feel like there's just this undue pressure we put on ourselves when we teach adults. I don't know why. I mean, they're just bigger kids, you know? Like, mm. just do object lessons and hangman, call it good. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I think that's one that most people would have a hard time with because I think there's just a lot of, like, stress that we put on ourselves. Um, at least I saw Rachel kind of go through that and, and grow from that. Um, but, yeah, that would, I think that would be a hard one would be gospel doctrine. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, I get to ask you the hard question now. Yeah. If you could send a message a hundred years in the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? Man. Honestly, I would say I love the quote. And I think I shared it one time at church, but I love the quote of always be kind because everyone you speak with is going through something that you know nothing about. I feel like no matter the day that you're having, no matter the day that someone else is having, or what you're going through, you can always choose to be kind, no matter what. And kindness will get you a long way. Um, it'll get you a flight on a booked, uh, a seat on a booked flight. Um, it'll get you extra food at uh, <laughs> at a restaurant when you're kind to the person who's making your food. Um, and it'll save a lot of uh, disagreements and arguments with a spouse. And I'm not 100% good all the time about being kind all the time. Rachel knows that. But I would say be kind. And I would say keep your chin up. Because oftentimes we, we're we the ones that, that look down um, on ourselves. And I love the talk from, I can't remember who it was, one of the 70s. It said once he was at the church office building and had a rough day. And he was in the elevator and was looking down. And and uh, the elevator stopped and dinged and the door opened and someone walked in and, and he just kept looking down, didn't even look up. And, and uh, the doors closed and the elevator started descending again and, and he said, a familiar voice said to him, you know, it's better to look up. And this guy realized that it was President Monson and uh, had his talk was basically, it's better to look up. And so I've really taken that to heart. Like whenever I've felt like I've had a hard day or things have you know, been bad or whatever, I literally just look up. You know, and be like, 
get out of your own mind, get out of your own brain for a minute. There's a huge, much larger plan here. Um, so I would say be kind. I would say keep your chin up, be grateful, and uh, look up. It's better to look up. Very good. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Brennan, is there anything that we've missed? What, what should I have asked you? What do we need to know about Brennan? Oh, man. Besides your moving. Nothing t more. I mean, I, uh, I've i never broken a bone. I dislocated my elbow. That's a, that's a story. Um, my buddy, uh, he... So I went to Eagle Crest Elementary and was there the first year that it opened. I was in kindergarten there. Uh, it's up in, in Northeast Lehigh. And um, my friend, he and I were the same age. And from first grade on, he was trying to be the first one taken away from Eagle Crest in an ambulance. I don't know why. That was a goal? Yeah, that was a goal of his, to be the first one taken away from the school in an ambulance. Wow. So he literally would get on top of the jungle gym and jump off and land on his arm, trying to break his arm to get on an ambulance to go to the hospital. I'm like, dude, what? So, <laughs> That's uh, weird. So the backstory behind that is I was playing soccer one time at recess, and I clumsily tripped over the ball, and I put my arm down to catch my fall, and I felt my arm just kind of bend funny. And uh, I, I ended up laying on my stomach and looked over at my elbow and it was sticking out of my, my skin. But it was in the skin, but it was sticking out of joint. So I looked at it. It was like this little like s slip and slide, basically, of my elbow, you know, still in the skin, oh. but out of joint. And so I started yelling like, help, help. And people came over and people were like, oh, my gosh, like it looked really bad. And yeah. so the, uh, whatever, the monitor, the recess guard, whatever, she came over and ended up calling 911, called my mom. So I got taken away in an ambulance from Eagle Crest Elementary. My buddy, who actually we're still friends to this day, is so mad that I was the first one taken away. Which I'm not happy about it. It was awful. Like it was a terrible experience. But oh my gosh, it was just it was crazy. Wow. But anyway, so never broken a bone. Um, yeah, I, we love Lake Powell, and that's that's us, man. So yeah. do they still tell still stories stories about that? You're the first one to go away. You know, no. I think it's just he and I that, you know, kind of know that, like, hey, man, I beat you to it on the ambulance thing. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a joke. We played soccer together, and that our kids funny. play nowadays, so it's mm. fun. But, but yeah, it's uh, it was a funny story. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, Brennan Stringham, I appreciate you being here on the yeah, Westfield. Thanks, Rick. Second Lord Podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm.